Human beings in every culture and every era have felt in their very bones that they are subject to a higher power. None of us can escape the sense that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves and that behind the powers of the universe lies an omnipotent creator. Our experience of God is built into our very DNA, and it takes a very sophisticated and very prideful society to brainwash itself into atheism. Knowing, then, that we came from the divine, every human person also has a desire to return to God, the source of their creation. We have an inescapable urge to reunite with that which made us. But we can't. There is an infinite gap between us and our Creator, preventing us from making the very return that our hearts perpetually desire. This desire to return and the gap that prevents it is one of the central problems that all world religions try to address. And it is for this reason that every religion in the history of the world has some tradition of sacrifice. We know that we cannot return to our Creator, so instead we offer something in our place. And that something is always our best. Our best crops, our best animals, our best cultural goods, sometimes even our best people. Temples and religious rituals have, until very recently, always been the locus of cultural and architectural development, because the first and the best is always given back to the Creator. And yet, even when they are the best that we have, these representative sacrifices never satisfy us. Our longing is to reunite ourselves to our Creator, and nothing short of giving up ourselves will fulfill this desire. Now enter Jesus. Jesus' self-giving on the cross solved two core problems that no previous religious action was able to solve. First, all of the sacrifices of humanity before Jesus were imperfect. Imperfect human beings will always make imperfect sacrifices. Jesus, however, was the perfect human being, and beyond that was God himself. God found a way to offer himself to himself as a human being, so that now humanity in Jesus can claim to have offered the perfect offering to God. There is no more perfect priest than Jesus and there is no more perfect sacrificial victim than Jesus. 
Second, by uniting divinity and humanity in himself, Jesus creates a bridge by which all of humanity can be united to God. In Jesus, we finally have a way to overcome that infinite gap between ourselves and our Creator. We finally have a way to offer the sacrifice that every human heart longs to offer. That is, we can finally offer our very selves to God through Jesus. And here we arrive finally at the Mass. The one perfect and eternal sacrifice is Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross. Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the victim. And the cross is the altar. On the cross, Jesus offered himself to the Father. And the Mass is the principal way in which we continually participate in that sacrifice of Jesus. And through our participation, offer ourselves to the Father. Now, how is it that we can claim that in the Mass we participate in Jesus' self-offering to the Father? In Scripture, the Church is referred to as the body of Christ. And Jesus is said to be head of his body, the Church. So when the Church acts, it is Christ himself who acts through her. On a local level, the parish constitutes the body of Christ. And the bishop, or in his absence, the priest, stands in the place of Christ at the head of the church. So when the Christian people gather, with the bishop or priest standing at the head, they gather as the body of Christ. And when they act, it is Christ himself who acts through them. The Mass, then, is the action of sacrifice carried out by the local community. Or rather, the action of sacrifice carried out by Christ in and through the local community. Of course, as the letter to the Hebrews reminds us, there is only one sacrifice of Christ, and this occurred on a hill in Jerusalem in 33 AD. So while it is Christ who offers himself through us at every Mass, the offering that he makes is the same offering that he made once for all on Golgotha. Every Mass is the same eternal offering of Jesus, because every Mass is a unity with Calvary. But every Mass is also a new sacrifice, because we, the members of Christ's body, are uniting ourselves anew with our Lord on the cross. When we lose the sense that the Mass is a sacrifice to God, the Mass stops making sense. Why, for example, should attending Mass every Sunday be such a grave obligation, unless the only way we can truly unite ourselves to God 
is as the body of Christ, head and members assembled, offering itself once again to the Father. Or, why should it be so important that the Eucharist be the actual flesh and and blood of Jesus? Unless we believe that our unity with the flesh and blood of Jesus on the cross was the only way we could ever unite ourselves to the Father in heaven. Now, as has been my custom, some fun facts. One, almost every word of the Mass is addressed exclusively to the Father. No part of the Eucharistic prayer is addressed to Jesus, nor are the three presidential prayers of the priest. This is, again, because the Mass is not our offering to Jesus, but Jesus' offering to his Father, to which we unite ourselves. It would not make sense for Jesus, assembled here in his body, to talk to himself. There are, of course, exceptions to this rule, three of them. First, the Lord have mercy and the Gloria at the beginning of Mass, both of which are the fault of Frankish additions to the Roman core. Again, blame blame the French for everything liturgical. Second, the mystery of faith after the consecration is addressed to Jesus, and this was added to the Mass after Vatican II. And third, the prayers immediately before communion, again added by the Franks. Both the mystery of faith and the prayers before communion were added to the Mass as a way to recognize more explicitly the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, immediately after the consecration and immediately before we receive him. Fun fact number two. I have been using the Roman canon, that's the oldest and longest of the Eucharistic prayers, every Sunday since I got here, because I think it best articulates the sacrificial nature of the Mass. Today, listen in that prayer for the words sacrifice, offer, offering, oblation, and victim, which are used 18 times in total. Fun fact number three. The high point of the Mass is not the consecration, as many of us have been led to believe. Yes, as the Church grew in appreciation for the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, she added a showing of the Eucharistic species and some bells to get our attention. But the true climax of the Mass is the doxology, where the priest and deacon elevate the offering and the priest prays, Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And the people reply with their great Amen. This is the completed sacrifice, the full offering made to the Father, toward which the entire Mass has been oriented and from which the remainder of the Mass flows. Jesus offers himself to the Father. We offer ourselves through him and with him and in him.
Okay. So, what's the takeaway from all of this? Notice what the priest says in the dialogue before the prayer over the offerings. He says, Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. The Church is very clear that every single person at Mass is offering the Holy Sacrifice. While the priest is necessary for the Mass, and while he does pray as Christ, the head of the body, the Mass is not exclusive to the priest. The Mass is offered by the entire body of Christ. So the takeaway here is that every person should be offering something to God at every Mass. We should all come here with a personal intention, a personal offering. And what is it that we should be offering? There are two ways to answer this question, and both are good and necessary. On the one hand, we should offer back to God the best of what he has given us, the best of our time, the best of our efforts, the best of our resources. We might, for example, offer him the best moment or the greatest triumph from the last week. We bring these things to Mass. We place them on the altar, or at least we place them on the altar in our hearts, and we offer them back to God. On the other hand, the deep desire of humanity which has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ is the desire to offer our very selves to God. And so we should also lay ourselves on the altar. But to do so authentically, we have to offer God everything, holding nothing back. We, of course, offer him our happiness, our praise, and our thanksgiving. But we also have to give him our worries and anxieties, our anger and our unforgiveness, our sadness and depression. When we come to Mass, we have the opportunity to unite every part of ourselves to our Creator through the offering of His Son Jesus on the cross. We have come from God, and our deepest desire is to offer ourselves back to Him. In Jesus, we find the perfect offering. And in the Mass, we find our perfect participation in that perfect offering.